I wish I could chalk my bad memory up to old age. But sadly, I've had a terrible memory my entire life. When I was in my 20s, I was driving a 15-passenger van full of college kids back from a long trip. And uh, we had to stop for gas, so I pulled over at a gas station. I got out, put the gas handle in the tank, started pumping, uh, and then went inside to get a drink. And, of course, I got me a big gulp, ran back out, got in the van, and took off. Just one small problem. I forgot to take the handle out of the gas tank. So apparently I'm not the only idiot uh, who has done this. Uh, because if you notice, the handles at every gas pump, uh, they actually have a breakaway clip where they attach to the hose. Uh, so the gas stations are prepared for morons like me. Anyway, so I didn't even notice that I had done this. So we drove down the highway a couple more hours with a big gas handle hanging out the side of our van. <laughs> I never noticed it until we parked back at home. So, of course, I got out and almost fainted <laughs> when I noticed this giant gas handle hanging out the side of our van. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want any of these kids <laughs> to see it, of course. So I just ran and I grabbed it, and then I threw it under the driver's seat <laughs> and shut the door just uh, like there was no big deal. And then when I looked and I saw that everybody had kind of filtered off and drove away. I just got the thing out and threw it in the garbage. I wasn't going to drive it two hours back to the, uh, the gas station. Now, maybe you're not as forgetful as me. But so many of our problems in the Christian life come from forgetfulness. We forget that God is in control of all things. We forget his unending love for us. We forget our new identity in Christ. Or as Sean said earlier, we forget how valuable every life is to our Creator. And we forget the gospel and all of its wondrous implications. There's a reason I posted these signs up here. We put them up here every week. This is so that we can remember what our Savior has done. It's just so easy to forget. Martin Luther had a member of his congregation ask him, she said, why do you preach the gospel every week? He said, because you forget it every week. You forget it every week. Now last week we saw that Nehemiah inspired the people of Israel to face a fierce enemy. How? By encouraging them to remember. Remember their God, who is great and awesome. That's how he inspired them. And we're going to pick, pick up right there this week. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, and we'll start with verses 14 through 15. So we'll, we'll finish out the chapter this week, but I won't read the whole chapter. We'll kind of take it bit by bit as we go, okay? So we'll look at verses 14 through 15 to start. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 14 
through 15. This is Nehemiah writing. He says, uh, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. In general, we present-day children of God confirm our sad continuity with the people of old by our forgetfulness of things that were once so vivid and so vital to our faith and way of life. But... If we can remember our gracious God, if we can cultivate the memory of God's great works on our behalf, we will be strengthened and inspired and encouraged. Paul emphasizes this point in his second letter to Timothy. In the second chapter, Paul admonishes Timothy to, quote, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to the gospel. Now, did Paul really imagine that this dedicated young minister could ever forget that Jesus rose from the dead? Isn't this kind of interesting? Why would he tell Timothy to remember that Jesus rose from the dead? It's kind of like, duh. Okay, I got it, Paul. Did he really think Timothy would forget? Yes. Yes. You see, what Paul knew was this, that our minds are prone to wonder. They're prone to wonder, especially when times get hard, especially when our days are the darkest. Our minds wander. And though, yes, somewhere back in there we know that our Savior lives, that he rose from the dead. We just forget. Maybe it's here, but it's not here. It ceases to become a reality that we live in light of. That's what Paul was getting at. Of course, Timothy had the head knowledge of the resurrection of Christ, but he knew that whew, when things get tough, that reality seems to slip away from us. Believers need daily, I think I might need hourly reminders of the gospel. Maybe minute by minute, <laughs> I need to be reminded of what the Lord has done for me. How valuable I am to him. How precious I am in his sight. And how all of my sins are covered by his blood. That is so easy to forget. Okay, so now, here in Nehemiah, Israel remembers their God. And let's continue with the story. Nehemiah unifies them by bringing them into remembrance of what the Lord has done. And then he makes sure that from now on, the entire work was permanently and efficiently protected uh, by dividing his team into builders and soldiers. So remember, from last week, they are faced with a very serious threat from all sides. Israel's enemies 
uh, are waiting for their chance to kill the Israelites in their work of the rebuild. Okay, so uh, what he does is he divides the team into builders and soldiers. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. 16 through 18. Uh, Nehemiah says, from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. Okay, and so to ensure that the builders, laborers, and residents were aware of approaching danger, again, the threat is imminent. They don't know when the enemy is coming, okay? Uh, and so to help them stay aware of what's going on, uh, Nehemiah devised a temporary warning system. Uh, let's continue with verse 18. Uh, he says, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Verses 19 through 20. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Okay, so uh, a trumpeter stayed by Nehemiah's side at all times. Uh, and this was to ensure that the troops could be quickly gathered to him uh, when the enemy attacked. Uh, so this is a pretty neat plan here uh, of Nehemiah's. Uh, the work was, of the Jews was so urgent and important, and the danger was so imminent and so pressing that they did not even ha have time to change their clothes or sleep. Look at verses 21 through 23. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when we went to water. So the despondency of verse 10 has now been replaced with renewed vigor. But why? What happened? If you remember from last week, the fear and trepidation of verse 10 has now, is now totally gone. And it's been replaced by a God-given vigor for the task of the rebuild. What changed? Verse 20. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Once again, it was a fresh remembrance of their Redeemer, of their great God, who is great and powerful. Nehemiah once again reminds the people that though God may seem a million miles away, he is not. Our Redeemer is among us. His presence is here. And He will give us the victory. You and I, too, can be encouraged in the face of hardship. And be energized to finish our work of rebuilding 
when we remember that our Redeemer is near. He is never far from us. Though he might seem a million miles away, he is not. He is not. He is always with us. He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Now, if you haven't noticed, the narrative of opposition in chapter 4, with its recurrent problems and imminent dangers, is deliberately interspersed with affirmations of faith and confidence in the God of heaven. This story of adversity becomes a testimony of the abundant sufficiency of God. It is clear from this chapter that there were times when the people's trust and strength was small and frail. But Nehemiah's confident words continue to reverberate throughout this chapter and throughout the community of Jerusalem. Remember the Lord. Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah knew that his people must work hard. Yes. Yes. He didn't say, remember the Lord and go sit on the couch and watch Netflix. No. Verse 14 says, remember the Lord and fight. Remember the Lord and fight. But the point is that while we must work while we must fight, in the end, our success will not depend on our sustained exertion, but instead upon the grace of God. God will fight for us as we are fighting. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.10, this verse has always fascinated me. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So do you see? I worked harder than all of them, but it wasn't me. It was God through me. God through me. Nehemiah does not have the slightest doubt that the God of grace that he has told the people to remember is unchanging and dependable. He cannot disappoint or fail them. He cannot. God will work through Israel's work to assure that the task is completed. With such confidence and commitment, Nehemiah and his colleagues can continue to build. Despite verbal assault, psychological pressure, physical danger, natural discouragement, crippling fear, and extreme danger, they were enabled to continue through all of that not because they had a robust faith, but because they had a robust God who is faithful. 
He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his people. And he himself is working to bring about the completion of the task. Likewise, you and I have the same God of grace at work in us. As we rebuild. As we rebuild our marriages, as we we rebuild our friendships, as we rebuild our walk with Christ, as we rebuild Life's Journey Church, we have the same God of grace at work within each of us. So what does it look like for us to follow this principle of remembering? What does it look like for us? Well, Nehemiah had a powerful phrase that he used to encourage the people. And it was, our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. And you see, Nehemiah knew this to be true. He could look to a future reality with absolute confidence. Why? Because he knew what God had done in the past for Israel. And so his hope for future victory rested on God's past victories. He knew that if God had done it before, God will do it again. If God was faithful to us before, he will be faithful to us again. Israel had so many memories. Again, remember, Nehemiah is at the very end of the Old Testament. So think about how many memories Nehemiah had to pull from of the amazing wonders of God on behalf of Israel. I mean, we have all kinds, right? We have being rescued from the most powerful nation in the world at the time, Egypt, being delivered from slavery, walking across on dry land with walls of water on each side. And they have so many amazing things to look back and remember. God had given them Miraculous victory after miraculous victory after miraculous victory. They had so many things to look back on to build their confidence. But none, none as powerful as the one you and I get to look back on. We have a resource even more powerful than the Exodus. We get to remember and rest in the victory to end all victories. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. You were dead in sin, and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then God gave you a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you. The list of his commandments, which you had not obeyed, he took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them 
by the cross. You see, at the cross, our God fought for us in Christ and won the victory over the powers of sin and death. This is the good news of the gospel. As long as you and I are inside the gospel, we experience all the protection and power we need to overcome the enemy that rages against us. It is for this reason that Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to take up and put on what? The whole armor of God. You are in a battle, yes. Take up and put on the whole armor of God. But it is critical for us to see that the pieces of armor he tells us to put on are all merely synonyms for the gospel. Have you ever noticed that? Translated literally from the Greek in Ephesians 6, the pieces of armor we are told to put on are the salvation the justification, the truth, the gospel of peace, the faith, and the word of God. What are all of these expressions but various ways of describing the gospel? This is not works that Paul is calling us to. Paul is calling us to Remember. In your fight against the enemy, remember. Remember the gospel. Remember the victory that you have in Christ. Therefore, if I wish to stand victorious against my current foes, my aim is not to take up and put on the Ten Commandments. My aim is not to take up and put on the moral law. No. My aim is to take up and put on the blood of the Lamb. The gospel. My aim is to remember what my Savior has done. That the victory is finished. All the victory I will ever need against any enemy that comes my way has already been given to me. It has already been given. And what the enemy does is he lies. And he says, that's not true. That's not true. The devil makes it seem like the last words from Jesus on the cross were, tag, you're it. Now it's your turn. That's what the the devil makes it seem like. We've got to put on our work boots, lace them up tight, and go at it. But what does the gospel say? The gospel doesn't say work. It says rest. Rest. The battle has been won. The battle has been won. We have a Redeemer, just as Israel did. We have 
someone who has fought for us and won the victory. At the cross, our Lord Jesus defeated Satan and every evil power of this world. And in his resurrection, he showed that even death is no match for him. Now his victory is given to us. It's just handed over to us by faith. The crucified and resurrected Lord reigns victorious through those he has delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into his kingdom of light. All we need to do is remember. Remember that this is true. That is, of course, the entire purpose of the Lord's Supper which we will take in just a minute. And as we do so, let us remember the Lord who is great and awesome and who has fought for us and won the victory. Let's pray. Jesus, what a Savior, what a Redeemer, you are thank you Lord thank you Lord for standing in our place against the forces of hell and death and doing what we are totally incapable of and that is defeating our enemies What a Savior. And how humbling it is, Lord, to come before you in this truth. That you have suffered, that you have bled in our place for our sins. And Lord, we ask you to please bring this glorious truth back to our memories. It is so easy to forget that it is finished, that the work has been completed, that the victory has been won. Please, Lord, give us your spirit as we leave here tonight. And as we face hardship, as we face difficulty, as we face darkness, as we face anxiety, bring us back. Bring us back to the foot of the cross where the victory, the ultimate victory, was won. Let us always remember, let us never forget you and the truth of what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for your victory.